Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to mystory@toledocalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. The Bible encourages us to fight the good fight, but how do we stand strong in the midst of life's battles? Join us as we explore Ephesians 6 and the truths it gives us for living lives of victory in Pastor Chad Gilligan's series called Stand and Fight. Well, look at you. You all sprung forward. Good morning. And uh, you look you look more awake than the last service. So thanks for being here. It's awesome. And uh, as you heard, our Easter service is coming up in two weeks. When you leave today, uh, our hospitality team will be placing one of these cards in your hands. I, I want to encourage you, um, at least take one. There's more that you can pick up in the kiosks throughout the building. Invite someone to come and be with you for our Easter services on that weekend. Um, I, I know what's going to happen. I know what the services are going to look like, and they are going to be fantastic. You need to invite someone to be with you. You have that opportunity in somebody's life. And listen, I just, I mean, I, I really believe this. There is somebody in your world who needs to hear the gospel, and this is an incredible opportunity for them. And I'll tell you who, and, and I believe God will bring somebody. This service in particular, I'm excited because I know that there are people in your world who are seeking there's something in them that has a spiritual hunger, or maybe at one point they had a relationship with the Lord, or maybe they grew up in church, but at this point that, that has just maybe been something that's passed for them. Invite them to be with you. I really do believe God's got some pretty exciting things in store in people's lives for our Easter services, and we're doing something unique this year, as we talked about last week. Not only are our regular services on Sunday, 8.30, 10, and 11.30, but we've also added a service just for that weekend, 5 o'clock on Saturday night, and that should help us to accommodate uh, some of the growth that we've seen over the course of last year, as well as give people more opportunities to come. So invite someone to come, be with you. Uh, Easter services that weekend, we're really excited about it. Anybody ever... Uh, Anybody ever ran out of gas? You're driving down the road, you run out of gas. Anybody? Go ahead. This is a safe place. You can admit it. Yeah, okay. All right. I've had it happen twice that I can remember. I told the story a while back. Once it was because a vehicle that was new to me had kind of a faulty gas gauge, and then once I was just faulty thinking, right? It's happened to me a couple of times. And it's this weird feeling, right? Because you know you're pushing it, and all of a sudden it's just, right? That's it. You're just, you're just, dead and you can't go, you can't do a thing. And it's such a weird feeling. And some of you know what that's like, not just with your car, you know what that's like physically, where you feel like you get to that point and you just go, I'm out of gas. Maybe emotionally, maybe even spiritually, you've reached that place where you just go, I feel like I've got nothing left to give. Now for some of you, you're here today, your tank's full, you're doing great. For others of you, and I, I guarantee you this is true, for more than just you, you came into this parking lot on fumes today. And you know what it's like to be running on empty. And today I want to encourage you. I had this opportunity this week. Um, every couple of months I get together with a group of four or five guys that are friends that are pastors. And it's really a just cool time to encourage, kind of learn from each other. And I sat there on Friday when I was meeting with these guys and I thought to myself, I am so thankful that I get to pastor Calvary Church. I just love the role that God's called us to. I love the opportunity that we have to lead together. And I think that must be kind of how Paul felt when he wrapped up the book of Ephesians. This next two weeks, we're, we're gonna finish off the, we, I think, what's it been, eight, nine years that we've been walking through the book of Ephesians, I think, something like that. And uh, we're gonna finish it up next week. And um, we're at the end. And you know, Paul has given us so much. 
He's given us rich theology. He's told us how we should believe. And then for this last season, we've been looking at how he said we should live. That if Christ has changed us, then we live different than the world around us. And he's, he's got it real practical. We've dealt with everything from anger to our words. We spent this last season talking about our marriages and our parenting. We've talked about our jobs. I mean, we've, we've gotten right down to the stuff that life's all about. Paul finishes saying all that, and then he kind of takes this deep breath. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Ephesians chapter six, because in verse 10, it's like he takes this deep breath, and he goes, finally. Like he's saying, look, this is it, guys. I, I gotta wrap this up. This is the last thing I'm gonna say to you, and do not miss it, because I love you. This church, I, I, I personally believe from my own study, I think this church was more near to Paul's heart than any other. He had this really unique connection there, spent the most time there, had the most interaction there, the things that he said to them. There was this connection he had. And he says, finally, I've got, this is the last thing I'm gonna say to you. Don't miss it, guys, because this is so important. Ephesians chapter six, look at verse 10. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. You know, the last few weeks, I'll just, I'll just be real honest, we've covered a lot of content. Some of those messages I felt a little bit bad because it was like we were drinking from a fire hose. It was just all kinds of stuff about parenting and marriage and workplace. Today, I really just want to give you one word. Paul uses it over and over again in those verses we just looked at. I just want you to stand. So Paul says to the church that he loves, I just want you to stand. This series that we're doing is called Stand and Fight. This week we're going to stand. Next week we're going to talk about what it means to fight in a spiritual sense. But I want to talk to you about this concept of how can you stand and how can you find victory? Because Paul uses this whole analogy here of warfare, of battle, of the fact that life brings us conflict of times. Have you ever found that life comes with conflict? <laughs> that life can be a battle? So if that's the case, we need to learn how to fight. And it starts by knowing that there's times when we must stand. Here's the reality. For some of you, this message is just good teaching. And you're going to take some notes. But you don't really need it right now. But I would challenge you, don't throw these notes away. Because the battle's going to come at some point. Not to rain on your spring forward parade. But at some point, it's going to come. For some of you, what we're about to talk about is what you need today, right now. Paul says, in battle, you can have victory. And so today, I want to give you four ways. We're going to talk about how to stand for victory. Talk about how to stand for victory. Four things that I want you to see on how to stand for victory. Here's number one. First one, you need to stand strong. Number one, stand strong. Here's how he starts. Remember what he says? Verse 10, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Be strong in the Lord. If you're gonna stand, Paul says you need to stand strong. I remember when my, when my kids were little, there'd be these times where they'd wanna pick something up. It might be a bag, it might be like a suitcase, it might be this like really heavy object, and they wanna move it from one place to another. And you watch them go over, and these little guys, they kinda squat down, and they kinda try to grab this thing, and they try to lift with everything that they have in them, and you see their, their, little, their little muscles are trying to work, and their little heads turn red, and their little baby veins are bulging out of their head, you know that whole thing? And you go over, and with your pinky finger, you help them lift it up, right? Because to them, it's huge. 
to you, it's, it's just a thing. And you help them pick it up. It takes very little effort from you. And they look at you and they go, look at what I'm lifting. And you're like, there you go, big guy. You got it. That's right. It's all you. You're doing it. And so many times we try to lift things that there's no way that we can carry it on our own. There's no way that we can do it. But God comes alongside of us and he helps us with his strength. How do we be strong? How do we stand strong? I think it starts that we be strong in the Lord. You need to be strong in the Lord. Not in your own strength, not in your own power, but that you choose to be strong in him. This is what Paul says here. You can't do it on your own. You're gonna find yourself in a place where your strength will not sustain you at times because you can never truly be strong on your own. Paul's writing to this church in Ephesus and he knows what they're up against. He knows what they've faced. He knows how their lives have changed and how their whole culture at times is against them. And he also knows what you're up against. He knows what you face, how at times you feel like your whole world is against you. And in the midst of it, he says to you, you must be strong because you can't ever do it on your own. Some of you are so tired. You know what it's like to be worn out, to be exhausted, to maybe be at a point where you say, look, I just can't stand anymore. When I hit those points, I often think about Joshua in Joshua chapter one, where God says to him, Joshua, you're gonna lead my people Israel into the promised land. That means there's gonna be battles, that means there's gonna be fights, that means there's gonna be enemies, there's gonna be a lot of work, it's gonna take a long time. And Joshua's going, I don't know that I can do this. I don't know that I have the gas in my tank to make this happen. And God says to him, Joshua chapter one, verse nine, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be afraid, Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. If you are here and you're so tired, remember this, you can be strong in the Lord. And then Paul goes on to say, not just in him, but be strong in his might. Be strong in his might. Be strong in the Lord and be strong in his might, in his strength, not your own. You ever, you ever been around maybe a big construction uh, site of some kind, whether you're in a big city or maybe you're, you're somewhere where you see them building something? Have you ever seen a crane in operation? I mean, these giant pieces of machinery that somehow make it just look effortless that they pick up these huge items and can just place them at just the right spot. And usually you've got this massive piece of equipment that's being run by just some person who's in this tiny little cab, right? And they're in there running this big machine And if that guy ever begins to think, sitting behind those controls, that he's the one that's doing it, he's delusional, isn't he? I mean, he's he's making those things move, but it's not his strength, it's not his power, it's because he's all wrapped up in that massive piece of machinery. Look, there are times when you need to realize that what you face, you are never gonna be able to make it through or move through unless you allow yourself to be enveloped in God's might and power and let you let his strength surround you. Say, God, I find you as my strength. I find you as my power. That's why Paul says, if you're going to stand, you have to stand strong in the Lord. You have to stand in his mighty power because that's the only way you're gonna move through where you are. That's the only way you're gonna get through this circumstance, make it past this diagnosis, deal with this situation that you're facing. It's the only way it's gonna happen is if you will be strong in his might and in his power. Be strong in the Lord, so stand strong. Does that make sense? You've got a little bit of that clock hangover. I can see it going on. Stand strong. 
And then Paul goes on to say this. Here's the second thing. If you're going to stand, stand strong. The second thing is this, that you need to stand prepared. Number two, you need to stand prepared. Listen to what he says to us. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11. He says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. We need to stand prepared and we put on the full armor of God. Now this is, this is a beautiful picture that he paints for us here of someone who is ready for the battle that they're about to face. They stand prepared. You know when the alarm goes off in the firehouse, the, the firefighter puts that gear on before they go out because they know that they need that. If you watch someone who's playing football, they don't go out on their street clothes. They go out wearing the equipment that they know will help them to be effective. If you've ever been in the military, you know how true it is that you have to know your gear. You have to have your equipment if you're going to move things forward. This is critical to understand, even in the spiritual sense, that you have to stand prepared with what God has given you so that you can fight and you can win. Now, we'll talk about the equipment that he's given to us next week when we talk about the armor of God and what it means to fight. But this is very much what Paul gives as a call to action, you need to stand prepared to face the things that may come your way. Let me give it to you in two different ways. You need to be prepared for offense. You need to be prepared for offense, that you're going to take your life and you're going to move it forward in some way. You're going to be able to push your life forward so that you can accomplish the things that God has for you. You have to get ready to take your stand. If you're strong in the Lord, then you can have confidence, you can trust in him, you can let him lead you, you can let him guide you, you can stand strong in the Lord and know that he is gonna direct you in the places and the ways that you need to go. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13 says, be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous and be strong. He says, look, don't shrink back from a challenge. Don't fail back when you think you can't make it, but instead, be prepared, get that armor on. Now we'll talk about what that looks like next week, how we practically use those things, but it's key, if you're going to move the ball forward in any kind of game, you talk, let's talk about football, if you're gonna move the ball forward, you can't just stand there. You have to be ready, you have to be prepared, and you have to begin that charge and move those things forward. So many times in our lives, I think we just think things are gonna happen. Good things will just happen. Spiritually, I'll just grow. If I just show up on Sunday, then hopefully things will get better. And it doesn't work that way. And sometimes you and I have to take responsibility to put on the full armor of God, agree that we're gonna move our lives forward and be prepared for offense. We'll talk about this more next week, but let's look at it from another angle. Paul says we put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand. I think that's offense, but then he says against the devil's schemes. We also need to be prepared for defense. We need to be prepared for defense. Because the bottom line is, as much as you want to move your life forward, did you know there's someone who wants to push it back? How many of you know we have an enemy of our souls, scripture says? And he's called a schemer. Have you ever found the devil schemes to be at work in your life? Where he tries to trip you up, he tries to trick you? Schemes is such a, a, a picturesque word it gives us an idea that this is a, a thing where he comes and he tries to catch us off guard. He tries to trick us. He tries to mess us up by the things he does and who he is. We have an enemy who wants to defeat us, and he's a wily foe. Listen to what uh, Paul says, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11. As he's talking to the church about what they should do, he says, this is in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. 
He says, look, we know the devil's a schemer. We know that he's gonna try to come and get us. Here's the reality, though. I might not be unaware of his schemes. I'm just not always paying attention for where they are. In fact, sometimes I kind of like his schemes. Those things that he sets in front of us to try to trip us up, to try to destroy us, and if we're not careful, he will deliberately plan, chip away, little by little, to set us up for failure. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse three. Paul says, but I'm afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. How's the devil described? 1 Peter chapter five, verse eight. Paul says, or uh, excuse me, Peter says, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. He says, look, you have an enemy and he wants to destroy you and he's a tricky guy. And I think this is what I see so many times. People get excited about what God's doing in their lives. They get dressed for battle. They go out and they try to move their life forward. They get excited about what's happening. They're talking about their faith. They're talking about God. They're excited about Jesus. They're they're serving. They're wanting to do things, but they forget that there's an enemy who's prowling and trying to destroy them, and then they get caught off guard. It's not just offense, friends. It's defense, too. We've got to realize that if we're not aware that there's an enemy who's trying to destroy us, he will sneak up and catch us off guard. I think Coach Bear Bryant was the one who gets uh, targeted with this quote as saying, offense sells tickets, but defense wins championships. Have you ever heard that? The same's true in a spiritual sense. Look, if you really wanna have victory, you've gotta be aware that there's an enemy, that he has schemes, and that he wants to destroy you. You won't find victory if you ignore the enemy. You're never gonna find victory if you ignore the enemy. That's why the military studies the enemy. That's why a football team watches game film from another team so they know how can we best defend against this enemy. We have to know how we do it. You know what the enemy's schemes are against you. I don't know when the last time was what you thought about it, but you know the things that the devil does that tries to trip you up, try to throw you off. Be aware of those things so you can stand prepared. The Battle of Antietam is is marked as the the bloodiest conflict of the Civil War. In 1862, it lasted for 12 hours with 10,000 Confederate casualties and even more on the Union side. It was a horrific battle that actually, if you talk to historians, would say militarily, it ended in a draw. There was no real winner that day. But what was so significant about it was that with that battle, Robert E. Lee was stopped from pushing forward into Maryland and it became a key battle in the progress of the Civil War. Now what's interesting about that is Robert E. Lee on the Confederate side was brilliant. He had a superior army and he was an incredible military strategist. McClellan, who was the general from the Union Army, was just considered mediocre at best with the army that he was leading. So why was it that a mediocre army was able to not only stop but actually hinder from moving forward in a strategic way a superior force? Here's why. Because two Union soldiers had found a copy of Lee's battle plans and had delivered them to McClellan before the battle ever started. See, the reason that they were able to stand their ground was because they already knew what the enemy was gonna do. Do you know the enemy's battle plans? (laughs) You absolutely do. If you read this book, you see what the devil's up to. 
It's clear there, we know who he is, and the, the, the interesting part is, he really doesn't have that many new tricks. He uses a lot of the same things over and over again. He makes you think you want things that really aren't that good for you. He challenges you to do things that you think are the right things when actually they're in opposition to God. He's really good at lying. Have you found that to be true? And the reality is, if we're not aware to his schemes, he will catch us off guard. So we have to not only stand strong in the Lord, but we have to stand prepared against his schemes, which leads us to this third thing that I think Paul says to us. Number three, he wants us to stand alert. He wants us to stand alert. Ephesians chapter six, verse 12 tells us something really interesting about what happens around us. Now help me with this for a minute, okay? You can be strong in the Lord, you can be prepared and have that armor on, but if you're not alert, if you're not watching, if you're not trying to figure out what's really going on around you, then you will miss and you will suffer defeat in the day of battle. Ephesians chapter six, verse 12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Paul says, look, you've got to know what you're really struggling against. The NIV says, for our struggle is not against. Other Bible versions sometimes use the word wrestle, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Paul kind of skips metaphors here. He goes from the military one, which he'll come back to in a minute, to one of the contestant in a wrestling match. And that's not just a battlefield. Man, that's one-on-one. That's intimate conflict. That's eyeball-to-eyeball, arm-to-arm, sweat-to-sweat when you are struggling to get through this thing. Have you ever known days in life like that? He says, when you find yourself in that kind of wrestling match, in that kind of struggle with life, and where does it come from? Man, it comes from bad days at home. It comes when your job's a nightmare. It comes when there's things that you just can't can't seem to shake in your mind. In those times, when you're wrestling against those things, he says you need to be alert to what is really going on here. The first thing he says is this, that we need to be alert that our struggle is not physical. You need to be alert that your struggle is not physical. What you think it is, is probably not actually what's really going on. So many times when we face challenges in life, I think we have a tendency to treat the symptoms and not the disease, not the real cause. Let's let's look at it this way. We we used this analogy a couple weeks ago. Let's say you broke your leg, and you know you broke your leg, so you take some pain medication because you don't want to feel that pain. And maybe maybe you get a pair of crutches so that you'll be able to move around and stuff, and you're dealing with some of the issues, but have you really got to the bottom of what's going on here? Are you really gonna get any better if all you do is take pain medication and use crutches, yes or no? No, at some point, you gotta find out, do I need surgery here? Do I need to get a cast on this thing so I can set it? You can spend your life treating the symptoms, but until you get down to the root cause, you're never gonna move beyond where you're at. This is where so many of us are in our lives because we keep struggling against the thing that's physical. Paul says, look, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. The issue with your marriage might not be your spouse. The issue with your home might not be the things that you want to tag them to. It's not just your boss. It's not just your family. It's not just the circumstances or the unfair things that happen to you. The reality is we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Our struggle is not physical. The opponent that you see is not the one you fight to win. You don't fight your spouse. You don't fight your boss. You don't fight your checkbook. That's not exactly what is 
you are up against. The issue that you have with the person isn't really the issue. We fight with each other so many times and fail to see the reality. We have to recognize there's more going on than just what's in front of our eyes. 2 Corinthians chapter four, here's what Paul says. 2 Corinthians four, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. We have to ask the question, what is really going on here? Because what I see is not the whole reality of it. What I see is not what I really struggle with. Somewhere there's a spiritual dynamic to this conflict and challenge. Is God trying to do something in my life? Is he trying to do something in another person's life? What is it that God is doing? Sometimes we even need to ask, what is it that the enemy's doing? But I cannot let my whole focus be on the flesh and blood side of this struggle. Which, which leads me to bring up an obscure news item that I think is very relevant for us today. You might not have heard this, but we are in an election year. Has anyone heard this? And it's everywhere. And with an election year comes so many things. I've got to tell you, I don't remember a year when there was, and I'm not going to make any kind of statement. For those of you that are raised, like, who do I vote for? Um, I'm not going to make any kind of statement. I'll just say this. I don't remember a time where there was so much conflict. I don't remember a time when there was just so much struggle. And we're really in that place. And if we're not careful because of what we've been watching on the news or reading in the headlines or listening to in our car, whatever it is, we hear all this stuff and we get what's called election year fear. Anyone ever had it? It's real right now and it's so clear and we start to be afraid of things and it's something that shows up. I think, I I had it once before. I had it like four years ago, I think. (laughs) I had it four years before that. I might have had it four years before that. I was born in 1972, that's an election year. I've lived under this my whole life. (laughs) Right, we let this election year fear come in. And the truth is, although, and and we'll talk about this in a minute, although that's all very important, no matter who's in the White House, who's in control, (laughs) we put our confidence and our trust in him. We get stressed out over these things and we should care about the issues for crying out loud, vote on Tuesday, okay? But do this. Don't get so stressed out and worked up over things that really are just flesh and blood when the struggle goes far beyond that. The issues in our nation go far deeper than who's in the White House. The reality is God is the one who's in control. He's the one who's on the throne. We put our hope and our confidence in him. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Instead, Paul says, we're not only alert that the struggle is not physical, but we have to be alert that our struggle is spiritual. Our struggle is not just physical. Our struggle is spiritual. There is a spiritual struggle that we are up against, and that's the reality. If you read through the book of Ephesians, and I'm not gonna take the time to read all the different passages, but in Ephesians chapter one, verse three, and then verses 19 through 21 in Ephesians chapter one, and then verse 10 in Ephesians chapter three, Paul says over and over again to the church in Ephesus, look, you are fighting a spiritual war. There is conflict that goes on beyond what you can see, beyond what you are aware of. The reality is, the truth is, the fact is that outside of what you can perceive with your eyes, there is spiritual warfare that takes place. Have you found that to be true? I mean, this is so true. Now look, before we go too far with this, let's talk about this. Raise your hands, help me out with this. How many of you in the last, let's say, four or five months, the winter season, have had some kind of cold? Head cold, chest cold, something, maybe you had the flu of some kind, yeah. The devil did not give you that, okay? (laughs) 
So many of us, every time we get a sniffle, we're like, oh, the devil's out to get me. No, you were around a kid with a cold. That's what happened. Take your vitamins, eat right, and go to bed. You'll be all right. We blame the devil for everything. And we can get weird and flaky about this. I remember years ago, it's gotta be probably about 15 years ago, I was sitting in my office with another one of our pastors. We were kind of doing a meeting with this lady. She was having a tough time. I was the kid's pastor here at the time. She was having a really tough time with her, with her son. Remember, we were having this meeting and we're sitting there and she begins to talk and all of a sudden she just stops and she starts doing this. And I'm going, what in the world is going on here? And she goes, she looks at me and she goes, they're here. And I'm like, I look at the door. I didn't even know anybody else was coming. I, I didn't know what's going on. I'm like, who's here? She's like, they're here. She was swatting at demons or mosquitoes. I don't know what she was doing. And the reality is there's spiritual warfare that takes place, right? But can we get weird about that? Look, we can get flaky and fruity. Look, for crying out loud, don't, don't, don't do this. Right? Don't do that. Here's why, for two reasons. One, it creeps me out. Two, here's the other reason. Listen to this. We allow spiritual things to sometimes freak us out to a place that we just don't even want to deal with it. We don't want to think about it. And we'll talk next week about how you fight a spiritual battle. We'll get to that in detail. But listen to what Paul says. Romans chapter 8, verse 37. Listen to the things he names here. It says, no, in all these things, we are more than, read that word with me, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, listen to the spiritual things he mentions here, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Understand this, don't get freaked out about the spiritual world because Jesus is already victorious over it. Look, you're a conqueror because of what he did. And you will find sometimes that your world is in a place of chaos, not because of what's spiritual or physically going on, but because of what's spiritually going on in the world around you. But don't let that freak you out or wig you out or shut you down. God says you need to stand, and here's the reason why. Even when your external reality is chaos, your eternal reality is victory. This is the reality of what Scripture says. Even when the external reality around you is just chaos, eternally you've been promised victory. So when you get that diagnosis, don't freak out about it. When you have that fight with your family, when you're distracted from your purpose, when you're struggling with temptation, when you lose your temper, when you're desiring what isn't yours, when you're frustrated and you're destroyed and depressed over whatever it might be, realize you need to be alert to the fact that there is a spiritual conflict that's going on here and Jesus is already victorious. So that's why we stand strong, we stand prepared, we stand alert. Let me give you a fourth way that you can stand and then we'll wrap this up. Number four, you need to stand your ground. In the midst of that battle, in the midst of that conflict, in the midst of that challenge, and I know for some of you, this is just a note you're gonna write down for the future. For some of you, this is a word from God to you today. You need to stand your ground. Don't give up, don't give in. That image, the reality, the picture that that would have to someone who was reading it in the Greek language 2,000 years ago, the idea would be this. It would be an image that was pulled both from conflict in battle, warfare, and in physical competition in athletics, and it was this, that you do not give up, that you keep pushing forward, that even though your enemy comes against you, you do not back down. You decide, I am going to stand my ground, and I'm not gonna give in. When do you do that? I'd encourage you, stand your ground in the evil 
days. Here's what Paul says. Listen to what he says. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand. Stand your ground in the evil days. That's what Paul calls it here. In the hard days. In the difficult days. In Ephesians chapter four, he had said to us, or Ephesians chapter five, excuse me, he says, look, do everything you can. Make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. He doesn't say if evil days come. He says when evil days come. How many of you know sometimes we have bad days? We have challenges that come to us. Sometimes in seasons, some of you would say, I've been there since birth. But it's been tough. And I feel like the enemy keeps coming against me. In those evil days, what do I do? He says, you stand your ground. Here's here's what I can't get over about myself. Why do I always get caught off guard by that? I seem to always get surprised when things don't go my way. I seem to always be disappointed when things aren't just how Chad designed them to be. And the reality is, Scripture says, you will have those days. Those days will come, and when they do, you put on that full armor of God. You don't give up any inches to the enemy. You stand your ground. You trust in him. You rely on him. Stand your ground on the evil day, and I would encourage you to stand your ground every day. What God has given to you, what he's done for you, what he's entrusted to you, stand your ground every day. Say, this is my resolve. This is my determination. This is what I'm gonna do. I'm not gonna give up. I'm not gonna give in. God, I am going to stand my ground. I'm on the front line, and the front line does not give in. And sometimes we can get tripped up. We can get too comfortable. That's why Paul says, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, so if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Look, don't get too comfortable with where you are. Realize that the enemy is just waiting for that chance to trip you up. The key is that you stand. And Paul says that you put on the full armor of God and you stand your ground. And he says that way, when you have done everything, what he means is when the smoke clears, when the battle's over, when the conflict is finished, you know that you can stand. The reality is, that's an encouragement for some of you. And some of you just rolled your eyes and said, Chad, that's easier said than done. Because I got this thing. I got this person. I mean, I know that that's not the reality. That the, that the reality is that it's a spiritual thing that's going on. But it's still right in front of me. And I'll walk back into it on Monday morning. Or maybe it'll hit me as soon as I get in the car. There's a phone call I gotta make. There's a doctor's appointment I gotta keep. There's this decision. It's just this cloud that's been over my life. And you're talking right to me. But how do I know that this stand firm thing's gonna work? Do you remember the story, do you remember the story of the book of Exodus where Moses and the children of Israel are like miraculously delivered out of Egypt and they're cruising their way into the promised land, and then all of a sudden they hit the Red Sea. And when they hit the Red Sea, you know, it's water, they, they, they're, they're kind of stuck there, and they turn around, and here comes Pharaoh and his army, and they're hunting them down. 
Listen to what the people responded to Moses when they see this situation. Pharaoh approached the Israelites, looked up, and there were Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, listen to their optimism here, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us out here to die? They're not seeing the plus side in any of this. What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. They're saying, Moses, look at what you did to us. Way to go, Mo. Here we are with the Red Sea in front of us, a madman behind us. There's no hope for us. What do you want us to do now? Listen to what Moses said. He answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Do you know what Moses said to him? He said, look, in the midst of that incredible, impossible situation, you need to stand. There's a story in 2 Samuel where a group of enemies came together against King Jehoshaphat. It was a bad deal. Because the nation of Judah that Jehoshaphat led was completely overpowered by these other armies. There was no way that they could win. And as they were together trying to figure out what they were going to do, this prophet steps up and he says, listen, King Jehoshaphat and all you who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid. Didn't you hear Moses say that? (laughs) He says, do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. For the battle is not yours, but God's. You will not have to fight this battle take up your positions, listen to what he says, stand firm and see the deliverance the Lord will give to you. Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, go out to face them tomorrow and the Lord will be with you. And you know what happened? They went out to fight and the army began to sing as they went out and when they got to the enemy, what happened is before they got there, God had them ambush each other and these different armies started fighting with each other instead of God's people and by the time God's people got there, the Bible says that all of the people that were out to fight them had already killed each other. Does that sound like victory to you? Do you know where it started? And God said, look, when you face this insurmountable thing, don't be afraid. Stand firm. Trust in me, because I'll fight the battle for you. What a cool story of Moses and the people. What a cool story of Jehoshaphat and the people. Do you remember, do you remember the story? That one, when you faced that obstacle? That Sunday you were up against the devastating failure or the frightening diagnosis? When that habit, addiction, or temptation had you down, when you were wrestling with that child that was far from God or that marriage that you thought was not gonna make it, that money situation that was hopeless or that job that was a nightmare, when the loneliness was suffocating you, when the decision was eluding you, when depression was hovering over you, when the past kept showing up on you, and there was this question that you just could not find the answer to, when the enemy was hunting you down and the pain wouldn't go away and your future was uncertain and you came to church and said, God, I don't know what I'm gonna do. And you know what he said to you? He said, do not be afraid. I want you to stand firm and watch and see because I'm going to fight that battle for you. You know what you have to do? Don't give up an inch. Just stand your ground and trust in me. Because if you'll do that, he says, I'll fight for you. So be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor. And when you've done everything that you can do, you stand your ground because scripture proves it and the lives of the people around you prove it that God does not leave us hanging. He will fight for you. Amen? Let me take just a minute and talk to the person who says, um, okay, this was, this, I'm there. 
You're talking to me about standing firm. You're talking to me about not giving up that ground. I need to be strong. I need to be alert. I need to be prepared. I need to decide to stand my ground. Here's what I'm gonna ask you to do today. For some of you, God's just very clearly speaking to you. There's no, I, I mean, I just stood with a guy after the first service, tears in his eyes, and I just knew there's no coincidence that this dude is here today. God spoke clearly to his heart a word of encouragement to stand firm. And here's the reality. Sometimes for a spiritual dynamic to happen in our lives, we have to take a physical step. So here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. Aaron's gonna begin to sing again. And if you're here and you know that God is speaking very clearly to you and you need to cement the fact that you are going to stand firm in your faith, whatever it is that you're facing, I'm gonna ask you to step out of your seat and just come and stand here. If you're in auditorium too, just step right to the front. I guarantee you, you're not gonna be walking alone and I'll guarantee you there'll be somebody there to pray with you. Here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. As Aaron begins to sing again, if you say this today is an affirmation from God that I need to stand firm, would you just step out from where you are? Come and find a place to stand here. We're gonna pray together in just a moment. Aaron, would you begin to sing? And as he does, if that's you, would you come right now? Just take that step. Don't talk yourself out of it. If God's speaking to your heart about making a step today, resolving this, that you're not gonna give up on this thing, that you're not gonna let that, that enemy get the best of you, that you are gonna resolve, that you are gonna stand your ground and stand firm to be strong in the Lord. If that's you, just take that step. So here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. Those of you that are, that are right here at the front and those of you who probably know in your heart that you should be, right in this moment, would you just begin to talk to God? Don't talk to anybody around you. Don't think about your circumstances. Just begin to say, God, I give this to you. You know the battle I'm facing. You know what I'm wrestling against. God, you know the enemy that I'm up against. And in Jesus' name, I give this to you. I'm gonna stand. I'm gonna stand my ground. I'm gonna stand strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. I'm gonna stand prepared. I'm gonna stand alert. Just with your mouth, with your heart, just begin to tell him that, God, I'm gonna give this to you. God, I entrust this to you. Lord, I release this to you. You are my strong God. You are my strong God. Lord, I trust you with this situation. God, I trust you with this heartbreak. God, I trust you with this decision. God, I trust you with what's ahead. God, I stand firm in who you are. I am going to stand my ground. Now, would you do this all, all, over, all over the room, both here at the front and all over? Would you just place a hand on the shoulder of the person next to you? Help them to know they're not standing alone. Just encourage each other with this for just a moment. I'm gonna pray, but you begin to pray with and for that person next to you. God, we love you. Thank you, Jesus. We don't stand alone. We don't stand alone. God, we love you. Lord, we thank you for your word that reminds us that in those times when life's a battle, because of your love for us, you encourage us to stand, that we stand strong in you in the power of your might, that as we put on the full armor of God, we stand prepared and alert, not just to face what we see, but even the enemy that we do not see. And Lord, we decide to stand firm. We're not gonna be afraid. We're not gonna be discouraged because we put our confidence and we put our trust in you, knowing you are the one who goes before us. You are the one who is with us and you are the one who fights our battles for us so that we can know victory. And so in Jesus' name, Lord, I pray that you would give to each of us in this room, those that have walked to the front in particular, God, just a, a confident assurance and reminder that as we stand firm, we will see your deliverance, we will see your strength, and we'll see your victory. Lord, thanks for your word and how it encourages us. Now, God, as we go from here, would you go with us? Father, send us out with your special favor and your wonderful peace. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen.